Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 2. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I gave you the outline last week of the book of Samuel, the entire book, really simple. 1 Samuel chapters 1 through 7 is written about Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 8 through 15 is written about who saints? Saul, very good. It's on the screen for you. Y'all like, who? First Samuel 1 through 7 is written about who? First Samuel 8 through 15 is written about who? Saul. And First Samuel 16 through 31 is written about who? David. Very good. The book takes place during the time of the judges when there was no king in Israel. Every man was doing what was right in his own eyes. It was a terrible time period in the nation of Israel. It was at this time that God went looking for a man. He found a man, Elkanah, who lived in Ephraim. Elkanah means possessed by the Lord. Last week we learned that Elkanah or Elkanah had two wives. We talked about that was not a good move. (laughs) Say amen. Amen. Hannah was one of his wives. Her name means grace. Penina is the other. Anybody know her name, what it means? Pearl, very good. Pearl and Grace didn't get along. Pearl had children. Grace had no children. Hannah was barren. She prayed to God for a son and promised to dedicate her son to God, to the service of God for the sons, for the boy's life. Last week we saw how Hannah's faith was formed in the fire of affliction as she spent so much time before the Lord in prayer. Chapter 1, look at verse 20. Tells us in the process of time Hannah conceived and gave birth to a baby boy and called his name Samuel. Samuel means heard of God. Heard of God. Sama heard el God. Heard of God, Samuel. Chapter 2 is Hannah's response to the blessing of the Lord. No longer the prayer of a barren woman, but now the praise of a blessed one. 1 Samuel chapter 1, look at verse 28. So they worshiped the Lord there. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 11, is the worship that Hannah offered. Chapter 2 is a prayer. Some call it a song. 
she offered the very day she left her little prophet at the tabernacle. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 11, we have Hannah's prayer of thanksgiving. In verse 10 of chapter 2, I want you to note something here out the gate really quickly. Look at verse 10 of chapter 2. Hannah mentions the exalted horn of his anointed. I hope to finish this chapter tonight. I think we can. So let's jump in. I've titled this sermon, Listening to God. 1 Samuel chapter 2, saints. We pick up in verse 1, saints. If you're looking at verse 1, saints, say amen, saints. And Hannah prayed. Hannah prayed and said, underline this, my heart rejoices in the Lord. We're going to read all the way through verse 10. My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like who, saints? The Lord. For there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumbled are girded with strength, and those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to be hungry. hunger. Even the barren has borne seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. Many good Bible scholars believe this is a reference to the resurrection. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. In other words, there's no hiding place. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed Messiah. And then Elkanah Elkanah went to his house at Ramah. But the child, underline this, ministered to the Lord before Eli, the priest. Saints, let's fast forward a bit, a lot. You might remember in Luke chapter 1, the story as Mary got a visit from the angel Gabriel telling her that she was highly favored and greatly graced by God. And the angel said, you're going to bring forth a son and you're going to call his name, what saints? Jesus. Luke chapter 1, verse 34, Mary said, write that down, look it up in your own time. Mary said, well, that would be an act of God because I've never been intimate with a man. And the angel said, exactly, exactly. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Luke chapter 1, verse 38, Mary's response 
was behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be according to your word. And then Mary begins the song that is commonly known as Mary's Magnificat. This song of Hannah is commonly known as Hannah's Magnificat. The word Magnificat is after the Latin to magnify. I think of Psalm 34. In Psalm 34, David writes, I will bless the Lord at all times. Give me that verse. Come on, y'all read it with me. I will bless the Lord at all times. I need everybody to read it with me. Come on. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Love this verse and let us exalt his name together. Hannah's prayer is so beautiful that as you study Mary's Magnificat in Luke, now stay with me here. As you study Mary's Magnificat in Luke, you'll notice striking similarities. Mary's prayer isn't word for word from Hannah's prayer, but it's clear that Mary is using similar language. It's clear that Mary knew the great stories of the women of the Old Testament, Sarah, Deborah, Ruth, Hannah, and she knew those stories well. So when she prays, you hear the word of God in her prayers. Listen, here's how it works. When you know the word of God, are you listening? When you know the word of God and God's word is written on your heart, it is natural to pray the word. The word just comes out of you. And it's those words that God says yes to. Because he says yes to his word. You can almost tell where a person is spiritually if you listen to their prayers. You really can. Now don't, don't get in prayer groups and start listening to one another, okay? Well, they're probably about a six. Don't do that. But what I am saying is that when you know God's word and you really know the word of God, you begin to pray God's word. And God's word begins to just come out of you. And, 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 and because God's word is in your heart, which is where God wants it to be. God wants his word. God doesn't want his word between his, this book. It's one thing to carry the book. It's another thing to get the words off the pages in the book and get them in your heart. Thy word have I written in my heart that I sin not against thee. So God wants you to get the word in the heart. And if you get the word in the heart, then you get the word in the mind. If you get the word in the heart and the mind, you get the word in the feet. Amen. And then you start to walk it out. This is what the Bible talks about, a renewed mind. The only way to have a renewed mind is to get the word off the pages of the book and get the word in your heart and get the word in your mind. And get the garbage out and put the word of God in. That's how you get your mind cleaned up. I'm just trying to help you. That's how you get your mind to begin to have the mind of Christ. 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So the way to get the mind of Christ is to take the word of God and to begin to put it in your heart. And when you put God's word in your heart, and then when you, when you go to pray, then God's word starts to come out of off your lips because his word is written on your heart. Did y'all get that? This is critical. Now, in our text in verse 1, I want you to notice, on the day that Hannah makes the biggest sacrifice she will ever make in her life, and she's given her son to God, the little boy will never live in her home again, she says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. Hannah is showing her depth of commitment and love for God. She says, my heart rejoices in the Lord, not my heart rejoices in Samuel, but in the Lord. She does not and cannot rejoice in leaving her son. In her most desperate time, she can and does rejoice in the Lord. Saints, listen, in the most desperate situations, when we have nothing else to rejoice in, we can rejoice in the Lord. Write this down. I'll wait while you clap your hands. It's okay. Write this down, Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. I've said this before, joy and rejoicing is the missing jewel among Christians and in the church. We talk about the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-sustaining God, but when times get tough and the going gets rough, we bail on God. It's not only our Christian duty to do good, but it's also our Christian duty to show joy. Did you get that? Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. When Paul wrote that, his circumstances weren't great. He was in prison. He had joy in prison. No complaining and no whining. Christians, no complaining and no whining. Christians are the biggest whiners. Call 1-800-WAN. <laughs> I mean, this story, even today, I love this, the, the, the book, The Hiding Place. Anybody know the story of Corey Timboon and The Hiding Place? Let me try that again. Anybody know the story of Corey Timboon and The Hiding Place? Okay, that's a few more of you, okay. Some of y'all don't know, okay. It talks about the incident. You should read it then. It's a really good read. And maybe read it with the family. It's a good family book. It talks about the incident that taught her, Corey, the principle of rejoicing always. She and her sister Betsy had just tra transferred to the worst German prison camp they had seen yet, Ravensbrück. Upon entering the barracks, they found themselves extremely crowded and flea-infested. Their scripture reading that morning reminded them to rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in all circumstances. Betsy told Corey to stop and thank the Lord for every detail of their new living conditions. Corey at first flatly refused to give thanks for the fleas, but Betsy persisted. She finally gave in. Well, during the months spent at the camp, they were surprised to find how openly they could hold Bible study and prayer meetings without a guard to interfere. It was several months later they learned the reason they could hold Bible study because the guards wouldn't come in their barracks because of the fleas. Isn't that great? It's a great read. You ought to get that book. 
Give thanks always in all things. Rejoice always. Hannah said, I rejoice in the Lord. She's not rejoicing in childbearing. There's something higher in the heart of Hannah than the miraculous birth of Samuel rejoicing in the Lord. Verse one, I smile at my enemies. I can't help but think she's thinking of Penina. She's the enemy. I'm smiling at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Look at verse two. There is no one holy like the Lord. Why? Because there is no one beside you. You see, the Jew understood there was only one who had absolute existence, and that's God. The Jew understood that God existed before creation. God existed before time and space. God created space. There was no outer space with no stars and planets, and then God spoke them into existence. No, listen, God spoke space into existence before space. There was nothing. We can't even get our mind around that. Huh? You can't get your mind around that. There is no one holy and separate like the Lord. Hannah's prayer, listen, is classic Hebrew poetry. It's repetitive parallelism. Hebrew poetry is not like our poetry that rhymes in words. Hebrew poetry rhymes in ideas. So in Hebrew poetry, the three statements in verse two, go ahead and look at it, all rhyme together. They have different words, yet they sound the same. In other words, to say the Lord is holy is to say he is completely set apart and unique and not like any other. So when she continues in the same verse and says, for there is none beside you, she is saying the same thing in different words. When she says, nor is there any rock like our God, again, she is saying the same thing in different words. So her point is, God is so great, there is no one, not one, in all the universe who is compared to him. Did you get that? Verse three, Hannah is thinking of God's greatness and awesomeness. Please look at verse three. She says, talk no more so very proudly, like let no arrogance come from your mouth. The Hebrew reads, the proud will be better off if they just shut up. (laughs) Y'all need to write that down. Give it to a friend. (laughs) Don't talk. She's thinking people are bragging and arrogant and they don't know anything. The Lord is the God of knowledge and that's a great reason not to talk. Because you don't know anything. And maybe she's thinking of Penina again. (laughs) And others who mocked her and ridiculed because she was barren in verse 7. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. I think of Deuteronomy 8.18. I have it for you on the screen. And you shall remember the Lord your God. Do I have it for you on the screen? Or did I I send that verse? Uh, Somebody stick your head out and say no. I did not. I don't have it for you on the screen. Deuteronomy 8.18, write it down. And listen to me, Deuteronomy 8.18. Write it down, listen to me. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swears to your fathers as it is to this day. God is the one who gives the power to get wealth. Say amen. And this verse is often, Deuteronomy 8.18 if you've ever, listen to me, look at me, if you've ever seen a share-a-thon, a praise-a-thon, a beg-a-thon, 
If you've ever seen one, you've heard this verse. You've heard this verse. The Lord gives you power to get wealth. And they talk about it in context of seed offerings. This verse was given by God to Israel to tell them, don't forget the Lord. When everything is fine and our lives are filled with abundance, it's easy to think my power, my strength, my brains have gained me wealth. Don't forget, it's God who gave you the body, the health, the talent to get wealth. Then God reminds them why God blessed them, that he may establish his covenant. In other words, that you might further the kingdom. Now, remember I told you that there were incredible similarities in Mary's prayer and Hannah's prayer. I want you to look carefully at the parallels and expressions, and I do have that for you on the screen. I know I have that. I know I have that. Look at the parallels here. I want you to see Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel 2 and Mary's prayer in Luke chapter 1. Hannah says in verse 1, my heart exalts in the Lord. Actually, I'm reading from the King James Version for this. Uh, My heart exalts in the Lord. I rejoice in thy salvation. And Mary says in Luke 146, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. You see the parallels Uh, in verse two. There is none holy like the Lord. Verse 49 of chapter one of Luke. Mary said, holy is his name. Verse four, the bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Verse 52 of of Luke 1, Mary said he has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of low degree. Uh, Verse 5, those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. In verse 53 of Luke chapter 1, he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. So you can see the parallels there. Notice in verse 11, we need to move forward. Look at verse 11 in 1 Samuel 2. Then Elkanah went to his house at Ramah, but the child, what did he do, saints? Minister to the Lord before who? Eli the priest. In other words, Samuel was ministering under the supervision of Eli. Now I'm sure that during this time, Samuel is in priest school, not preschool, (laughs) priest school. He's learning the scripture, learning the Hebrew, learning the history, ministering and doing the things that they would allow him to do. And then look at verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. Would you please underline that? The sons of Eli were corrupt. The pastor's children were corrupt. And they did not know the Lord. Now, I could actually preach a sermon right from there, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to let you marinate. Think about that tonight. The priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servants would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. And then he would thrust it into the pan or the kettle or the cauldron or the pot, and the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Also before they burned the fat, 
the priest's servants would come and say to the man who sacrificed, give meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. And if the man said to him, they should really burn the fat first, then you may take as much as your heart desires. He would then answer him, no, but you must give it now. And if not, I'll take it by force. Therefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Now, let me explain. There is a sharp contrast here. Hannah knows God intimately, but the sons of Eli were corrupt and he had no knowledge of the Lord at all. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.